Now, now these are, are lead-coated steel, medium-price medium range. The Salon is special, and very special it is too, I may say so. Waterproof, of course. Waterproof? All our units are waterproof. This offers maximum protection for a unit in the middle price range. Now, here is your handsome King 7-gauge With a choice of finish in eight-color combinations, this unit is guaranteed to give maximum protection. It's, it's moisture-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-proof-
And <laughs> you have written the book Mortuary Confidential, and your other one, which I don't have my Kindle up in front of me, is a Kindle-only book. Uh, what was that one called? Over Our Dead Bodies. That's what it was. So we're known for having, I don't want to say a fascination with death, but it's something that... No, that's, um, a, that's an accurate statement. <laughs> well, you... Okay, <laughs> rephrase that. <laughs> but we do like to cover it in interesting ways because it's, you know, it's a trip that we're all going to take at some point or another. And it's when people talk about it, it's one of those kind of like gruesome things that people look at. Uh, your books, however, are different. Your books are full of a variety of humorous and odd. Um, I, I, I don't want to say strange, but they, they do take a lighter side to the death approach. So um, why don't you tell us about yourself and we'll get rolling with all this. Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, to, to go back to what you said a minute ago, I mean, I think a lot of people have kind of a morbid streak that some people admit to and, and some people do not. Uh, but, I mean, there seems to be a fascination with, um, you know, what I do, because uh, I, I get questions from people all the time about, you know, what exactly it is I do. But, um, I mean, just just a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a funeral director here in uh, the state of Delaware, and uh, I co-wrote these two books with uh, my friend Ken McKenzie, who has a mortuary on yeah. on the west west coast uh, in Long Beach, California. So, um, you know, we were able to bring kind of two different perspectives to um, you know our books. With you know, we're, we're for, we serve two totally different demographics, uh, two different sets of clientele. So I think it gave a real balanced look at you know how a lot of America. Um, you know, how we bury our dead. Um, I've been doing doing this since 2004. And, um, you know, like a lot of, uh, traditionally, like a lot of people, I got into it, um, you know, through family. Um, you know, you're seeing that less and less these days. But traditionally, in this profession, in the past, uh, you get into it for, for family reasons. So I work for the, uh, the funeral home, uh, that my uncle owns, and um, it's been in existence since 1911. Uh, but our family goes back in this profession to before the Civil War. Wow! Holy cow! <laughs> Is it some? It's like, so it's more or less a tradition that's been passed on from family member to family member for you. That's that's right, and it it has it, it skipped a couple generations. But um, my three greats grandfather. Uh, his name was James, and he was a cabinet maker in Milford, Delaware, which is um, southern Delaware. It's it's a very rural area still now. Um, and, and, you know, like most people in rural towns of those days, when somebody passed, they would come to James and he would, you know, ride out to their farm and measure the person and build them a custom, custom coffin. Um, during the time of the Civil War, when, you know, this new and I use quotation marks, science uh, came into vogue, um, you know, James capitalized on that and, uh, you know, started offering this, you know, newfangled science, you know, scientific preservation of the dead um, and, and kind of turned his furniture business into a furniture slash, um, you know, undertaking business. And that's actually what the science says, you know, James White, you know, furniture maker and undertaker. How about this? An undertaker, a mortician, and a funeral director all walk into a bar. What's the difference between all three of them? Well, <laughs> okay. there, there's there's, re there's really no difference. Um, undertaker is 
the old-fashioned term. Um, around the turn of the, the, um, the 19th century, excuse me, the 20th century, um, you know, the profession wanted to kind of more legitimate, so they uh, started calling themselves funeral directors. Um, and really, a mortician, you know, if you break the word down, it's, it's basically somebody who's familiar with the dead. Um, and, and, you know, so the terms, the three names are actually interchangeable, although different states, um, you know, will actually use them for specific licensing purposes. Like in the state of Maryland, your professional license is called your mortician's license. In the state of Delaware, you get a funeral director's license. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So where would somebody go? Like you, with you, it was passed down from generation through generation. If somebody wanted to to do this, is is there a school that you go to? You, this isn't something you actually go down to your community college and actually apply for. So how does one get into this if, if they're, you know, if they don't have a family lineage to pull off of? I would say, you know, before you invest your time and money into the schooling, because I went to, to mortuary school with a few people who had never stepped foot in a funeral home before. And it blew my mind. It's like, how do you know you want to do this? And you spent X number of thousands of dollars and several years of your life for something, you know, you thought you might like. Um, so I would say the first step is, you know, if you have an interest in in this profession, you know, go to your local funeral home and like just ask to volunteer for a little bit or shadow the, the funeral director uh, to, to see if you even, you know, like the business because, you know, it's I tell people it's not, um, you know, a job, a profession. It's really a lifestyle. You know, it's long hours, it's nights, it's weekends, it's holidays. And if you don't love it, you're going to burn out quickly. Um, so, so find out if you like it first. And then, um, you know, if you do, um, there's mortuary schools. And I think there's 50 some scattered around the country. Uh, unfortunately, here in Delaware, no matter what, you've got to go at least two hours in any direction. There's there's no close mortuary school. I went to one uh, up in Manhattan. And down, like downtown New York, like Manhattan? or Yes, yes. Uh, I think it was 50... Fourth and eighth, so it was in Hell's Kitchen. Wow, that's right. Yes, (laughs) and we did our, uh, you know, you do your clinicals in in Bellevue, so it's, um, you know, it's a interesting uh, experience. Now, to say this is something, you know, and and not me personally, but if I were a person to say, it, it sounds very odd to say. This is something I love, you know, <laughs> that in itself sounds weird, you know, because of the hours and things like that. I the jo- I once had a job where I was a bread delivery driver and I would deliver to uh, hospitals and stuff. And there was one hospital up, up in Flint, Michigan, actually, I would deliver to. And very frequently I would cross paths with the uh, funeral director that would be there at night picking picking up bodies. And um it was kind of like there's this there's this uh, Bugs Bunny cartoon where they got the, the the coyote and the sheepdog checking their time clock as one walks in and another one walks out, and I'd be right, carrying right. my bread in and he'd be like, "How you doing, Shannon? How you doing, Brad?" You know, <laughs> he'd just pass each other, you know, and then on the way out he'd be rolling out a body or something, and I'd be coming back out with my empties for the night. Take care, take care, you know. And that was it was nothing. After a while, it just you know when I was training the new guys, it was like, is that guy walking out of here with a with a body? Yeah, he's walking out with a body. He's gonna load it up in the car over there, and you can't park there because that's where he parks. And if you park there, you're gonna be parking where the mortician parks. And like they come in here and grab these bodies out of here in the middle of the night. I'm like, well, th- yeah, they don't. 
they don't exactly have a, a taxi service that takes them to the funeral home. They gotta, they're on call. They they get phone calls in the middle of the night. They gotta come and pick these, you know, pick these people up and stuff, you know. And, and <laughs> it was weird at first for me too. But every time I'd be training somebody, they would just like sit there and be like, I don't know. This is really odd. <laughs> so, um, basically, Ooh, yeah. So at what point did they say, you know, we're going to change the name of this to I, I, there was you mentioned somewhere in the book that there was there was a big national conference of some kind where they all got together and said, hey, um, we need to change our name to something different now or something like that. That's right. Um, it was it was actually, I believe, the Michigan um, State Association meeting. Um, and, and it was in, um, you know, it was, it was well over 100 years ago and they decided, you know, we want to turn this more you know, originally it was viewed as a trade and they wanted people to, to view it as a, you know, a legitimate profession. And, and that was kind of the first step in uh, making this a, a legitimate um, vocation. And, you know, after that they set up formal schooling because, you know, the way um, James, my three greats grandfather, the way he learned to embalm was, you know, a chemical, salesman you know that sold embalming fluid would come to town and do a demonstration so you would watch it maybe one time and next thing you know you're an embalmer no kidding it's just it was just that fast huh yeah but i mean we're talking this was during you know the time of the civil war sure that's how people you know when this this you know new science first came to america that's how you learned and the expert was the fluid salesman the guy that was selling the formaldehyde Correct. Yes. Yes. Nice. All right then. See, I never. I, I've. I've. Been, I was interested in uh, mortuary school when I was younger, and because of a misspent youth, uh, that was one of the things that I decided not to go into because it was probably for the best that I don't get any closer to the dead. <laughs> but um, there is literally a school that I can attend right now if I want to. That's like twenty minutes from here. Okay. Lincoln College has a mortician's, uh, a mortuary science mm-hmm. section where I can go and get a degree. But um, it's amazing to me that during the time of the Civil War, you only had to like sit and watch the salesman show you how to do it, and then boom, you could go out and do it. I mean, that's that right. Does, that's, that's like saying, um, I'd like to work on this car and just head, you know, going down to Joe Schmo's garage and then saying, okay, I'm going to work on Jags now. Well, back then it was probably a lot different, though. It was basically insert tube A here and then insert tube B here and, you know, let gravity take its course or what have you, I would assume. I don't know. I mean, what, again, I, I'm, I'm ignorant to this stuff. So, I mean, how, how much work really goes into this? How long does it take you to get training to do this? Is this something where it takes a few years or a year or is there an internship process? Well, for, from, a, from a very literal sense, uh, Rojan, uh, you're right, you know, Back in the day, they would actually just use gravity. It was a very simplistic process, um, you know, almost like similar to like hanging an IV bag. Um, but now it's uh, two years of school, so you get a bachelor of arts degree in mortuary science, and then it depends on the wow. state, you know, how long your internship is and when you serve it. So uh, I had to do the two years of schooling, and then pass the national board examination then do my internship in the state of Delaware, and then I had to pass uh, the state examination. Now, uh, in California, I don't know if it's still like this today, but when Ken served his internship, he did his internship prior to going to school. So the schooling's the same. 
it's two years of school, but the internship requirements can vary wildly from state to state. And in fact, there's um, one state that you actually don't need anything. Either of you could be a funeral director tomorrow. Hmm. What state would that be? <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> Colorado. Oh, well, why am I not shocked at that? <laughs> why, yeah, not at all. <laughs> With things going the way they are, you'd walk in there and the guy would probably be smoking a bowl. Um, so at what point in your life did you decide this is what you want to do? Or did you just know from the beginning because it was passed on to the family? Well, like I said, um, you know, it's it's my uncle that owns the business. Neither of my parents are are involved in the business, so this was not a foregone conclusion for me. Um, and I kind of, um, I don't want to say stumbled into it, but I was knocking around after college. You know, I didn't have a job, and I was just hanging out. And um, you know, I asked my uncle, you know, hey, can I come in and you know help out? You know, maybe do a few odd jobs to earn some money. He said, sure. And you know. A couple hours a week turned into a part-time job, and a part-time job turned into a full-time job. And next thing you know, you know, I find I'm in school and I've got a career. Um, so I, I think the work just agreed with me. Um, you know, I, I I really love what I do. So I got to ask, um, when you're out on dates, and the question comes up. <laughs> You know, it's is this is this you know decent date conversation? Do you do you have a hard time you know telling people, yeah, this is what I do, and 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 do the people quickly exit the car and run in the opposite direction? <laughs> well, I I'm I'm married now, happily married with with several children, um, mm -hmm. but I actually immortalized uh, my wife's and my first date in chapter forty seven of Mortuary Confidential. And, uh, you know, basically, long story short, um, you know, we, we went out to, to dinner and uh, our entrees had literally just landed on the table when, uh, and this was, you know, 12 years ago. So we were using pagers. They were more reliable than cell phones <laughs> back then. Um, and, and my pager goes off. And, and you know, I, said to her, I was like, um, you know, I've got to go. And uh, <laughs> really, I I'm not a pimp. <laughs> that's, that's right. Jesus. And when she got home, her dad, who has a very um, unusual sense of humor, he goes, you know, there's services out there that if the date's not going well, you know, you can get you can ask to have a call at a certain time. So you have an excuse to exit. So. <laughs> <laughs> so what See where you, this is going so you, you didn't tell her on the date though hey i'm a mortician i've got to take this call or you just said i've got something i gotta take care of and it, well when we set set the date up to to go i said listen you know i'm on call i might have to you know you, you never know what's going to happen but i don't think you know that quite registered as to hey i'm going to have to get up and walk out in the middle of a restaurant on you hmm so how did she react when you finally said, listen, this is a mortician and this is what I do? She was fine with it. Um, you know, it's she's not known me to do anything else. So, you know, this this is our life together. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not, um, you know, odd for uh, for her to stop by the uh, funeral home and, you know, I'm wheeling a casket up the hall or, you know, something like that. You know, or for me to bring one of our Suburbans home and park it in our driveway. That's you got to be fun at parties. 
Well, going back to what I opened with that, you know, people, they have a morbid streak and everyone, you know, always has questions. Let's move it along a little bit. Your your book is full of all kinds of different stories of, of people from all over the country that of uh, that work in the mortuary business that have sent you humorous stories. Now, you did have to change. The, obviously, you had to change the names and the locations and you couldn't say any names because you have to be respectful for people who have, have departed. Um, and I have to tell you in the last week, this is kind of a side shoot. Um, I know you've probably seen the movie, the loved one. No, uh, you know, I, I have not. Oh my Lord. You need to see that movie. You can actually go on YouTube and just everybody listening right now. I highly recommend that everybody goes out and look for different. It's there's chunks of it on YouTube. Liberace was in it. It's all about this really off the wall funeral home. Um, it's an old black and white movie. I think you'll get a kick out of it because you're in the business. So as, as I was going through this week looking for bits and pieces for the show and so forth, and I started watching this old movie I'd watched a long time ago in high school. It's up there with like Eraserhead and all the cult classic movies. I highly recommend you go watch what okay. you can of it, though, or if you can find it, watch it. You'll get a good chuckle out of it. Um, but anyways, um, there's it's, it's, it's kind of humorous that the way that they go through this stuff in this movie. So... Why don't you tell us some of the stories that you can come up with off the top of your head? I've got a couple in the book that I want to ask you as well. But what are the ones that stand out for you uh, that you remember the most that have had happen to you? Okay. Um, You know, and and really, um, you know, I I like the book because it's a nice cross-section of, uh, you know, different people and different points of view from, you know, all across uh, all across America. And. Actually, for the first book, uh, Mortuary Confidential, the original story pool, uh, we started with 80 stories. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, some of them were, were too weak to actually turn into an entire chapter. Uh, we whittled it down to uh, 60 stories was the first draft we handed in to our agent. And uh, and then she made me slash that down to 50. So uh, for for. Mortuary Confidential, the first book, I think we've got the, you know, the 50 uh, strongest ones or ones that can stand on on their own. You got one of them in the front of your book where you're talking about how you were at a, you were running a funeral and it turned it erupted into a fight, which is a, which got me onto the other two. I'm not sure if you opened up your second book with it. I think it was the second one. You, you want to talk about that one? Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> that one. um that actually happened between the first and second books. And Ken called me one day in an absolute, I mean, he, he was furious that uh, this, this riot had happened at his funeral home and these people had trashed his funeral home. I mean, absolutely just, you know, tore it down to the studs. And he's hooting and hollering. He goes, and I've got it all on my security cameras and I'm going to edit it together and put it on YouTube and monetize it to pay for the damage done to my funeral home. And I said, whoa, Ken, stop, wait. I said, don't do that. I said, that's chapter one of our next book. Yeah, so, I'm envisioning the Benny Hill music going on as I'm reading this. I was, I was, um... <laughs> yeah, kitty sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, let him tell the story. You'll understand why. Oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, what, why do emotions typically boil over at a funeral? you know, money. And the long story short is there was some um, folks in this family who uh, believed, you know, that uh, 
these kids had taken advantage of an elderly person for money and, you know, they had been written out of the will and whatever. And so the family was divided into, you know, I guess two separate uh, sides of the chapel, if you will. Uh, I, it had been something that had been brewing for a while. And, um, you know, somebody got up and typically when people get the microphone for a eulogy or to say something during a service, they don't know when to stop. And, you know, made a wayward comment that caused one of the people who were accused of, uh, you know, maybe embezzling the money of, of standing up and, and saying, you know, basically, hey, are you talking to me? And uh, things <laughs> went downhill quickly from there. You know, people were um, throwing flower arrangements. Um, you know, the, the casket got knocked over. Um, you know, somebody picked up Ken's big um, brass sign stand that says, you know, sign the guest book, please put a big hole in the wall. Ken got hit in the head with, uh, you know, those decorative wooden tissue box covers. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So he got hit in the head with that. And, um, you know, he can be a bit dramatic some, sometimes. So I'm not quite sure the extent of his injury, if it was just a graze wound or, um, you know, he really did get knocked out. Uh, but, but either way, uh, it was, it was quite the melee. And, um, when the cops came, the people that had spilled out to the parking lot, they were fighting, tried to distract them by saying somebody inside the funeral home had a gun. So the cops came, you know, bursting into the funeral home, you know, guns drawn. And uh, Ken took took that assault, too. Um, you know, the whole up against the wall got frisked and, um, you know, come to find out the only thing they found was his uh, dog cowering under his desk in his office. So they pretty That's much kind of a, it sounds like it's a battle royal out of the WWE. Yeah. yeah. Where's yes. the chair? <laughs> exactly. How many and, people were at this? Like a couple of hundred or a hundred or just rival families or? Probably about a hundred. Oh my God. <laughs> that's that's yeah. a substantial amount of people. <laughs> well, not for a good fight. Well, true. <laughs> I just, wow. That's, I mean, I've, I've had some weird stuff happen in my family at funerals. I mean, people jumping into graves and fist fights and stuff. But not not to that extent. I mean, these people were fighting each other, and it was over who did what for who and who was the better son. Right. <laughs> okay. You've also got one in here, Duel at High Noon. That is one. Um, that's the one I, aside from my first date, that's the one I contributed to uh, the book. And, oh, you were uh, there that, for that one. <laughs> I, I was there, yes. Um, that was that was quite interesting. Um it was a, a church that's in the city of Wilmington, and um, I, I don't know. Have you uh, – did you read anything about the brouhaha, uh, the, the show that ABC wanted to do um, in Wilmington last year? I did no. not know. I don't have cable nope. anymore. <laughs> I'm a loser. Well, it, it, there was, it was a big, big deal here because they, they were talking about um, – doing a show starring uh, Jada Pinkett Smith called uh, Murder Town. Uh, per capita, Wilmington has, you know, one of the highest murder rates in, in the country. Um, it's just a, an awfully violent city. Um, and, you know, there, there are a lot of shootings and a lot of murders, unfortunately. Well, being from Detroit, I'll accept that as a challenge. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
you've got a bigger population, but I think pound for pound, we could, uh, we could ah, come Ah, but close. it's dwindling fast. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so anyway, I, at the time, um, I was living at the city, and this, this church, believe it or not, was probably only four or five blocks from, from my house. And it was it was beautiful day. Uh, it was it was a spring day, probably late morning, early afternoon. You know, so the sun's out. It's not like it was a dark and stormy night. This was the middle of the day, and uh, the funeral was going on in the church. And I'm sitting on the steps of the church because it was an Orthodox service, and you know, you know, they're going to run at least an hour. So oh, yeah. once the service starts, you've got no pun intended an hour to kill before you know you've got to do anything. <laughs> So I was sitting on the front steps of the church, reading, leaving through a magazine or something, um, you know, just enjoying the day. And on the corner, uh, these two guys, you know, who were walking, you know, come upon each other. And I wasn't really paying much attention to it. And, you know, all of a sudden they get to arguing and they back up a few feet. And when I say a few feet, maybe... 12 or 15 feet. I mean, it, it really wasn't that great of a distance. And all of a sudden. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's right. It was uh, it was uh, some Doc Holiday Wyatt Earp. They, they brandished pistols and they they unloaded on each other. I mean, they, they locked Whoa. their. Uh, Good. They, they locked back. These guys were such expert marksmen. Both of them, you know, turned and ran. I mean, neither of them hit each other, but. Um, you know, within 30 seconds, cops were there, helicopters, you know, then they brought the dogs. <laughs> and so these poor people in the, uh, in the church can all of a sudden hear, you know, helicopters flying real low, sirens, you know, all this stuff. So, you know, they, they're coming into the back of the church, you know, trying to push, you know, get out what's going on, what the heck's happening. And, you know, the police are saying, keep those people in the church. You know, they're letting dogs go. Uh, you know, they had brought all these canine units. I mean, it was absolute bedlam. And to this day, I don't know if they ever caught those two dudes, but I would say that's probably the craziest thing I've seen just, you know, sitting at a funeral. So like, you were just sitting there like cannot... right in the middle of them. And all of a sudden these guys just walk up and start going at it. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Were they part of the like people? It should be in a movie. Were, were they part of the people that were attending the funeral, or just they just, or well, I don't want to say they just happened to be there because I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Meet me yeah, at the it, church. It, it, it was a couple gang bangers. I mean, you know, we're you know in the middle of the city, and and um, I'm sure knowing the area, uh, it was it was you know some sort of drug feud. So they weren't even there for the funeral. No, no. That's no, nuts. Just... That's just nuts. How do you? I mean, okay. I've seen some. I've seen some crazy shit go down myself. But <laughs> not, not at a funeral. That's that's hallowed ground. You don't show up there. I mean, I'm well, sorry. I've seen stuff go down in Dunkin' Donuts. I've seen stuff go down in in the projects. Well, I not said during a funeral. I sent him an article. I sent Todd an article a couple of days ago that there's this new thing going on now. They're having a problem where people are taking selfies with, with the bodies. You know, they're coming up and doing the selfie thing. You know, flashing gang signs or what have you. And you had said that that's not uncommon of a thing anymore. It's turning into a problem or something like that. Yeah, and it's not so much the selfie, but the actual photographing of the dead is mm -hmm. is coming back into vogue. I mean, it was it was very popular a uh, hundred years ago, but uh, you know, people. Now that they have quick access to the 
cameras on their phone or whipping them out and snapping pictures. And sometimes the family doesn't want that to happen. So it's, it's not so much, um, you know, the families that are fine with it, you know, it's no big deal, you know, but it's, it's the families that don't want anyone photographing their loved one, that it kind of becomes a problem uh, for obvious reasons. So how do you deal with that? Do you just put a sign up saying no photography, please, or something like that? But not that anybody's going to really listen to that. They can just pull their phone out and do what they're going to do, though. So Right, right. We've seen all these stories coming out of, like, Taiwan of crazy funerals. Like, they had the one guy that was that had all the strippers come to his funeral and were doing pole dances and stuff. And then there was a uh, – we covered it a, a few months ago. We did a show where people were having – or they're having funerals or like one guy was posed on his motorcycle or something like that. Are you Mm -hmm. seeing more and more unusual requests for funerals coming into where you're at? You know, I, we haven't had anything, uh, I would say crazy like that. Um, you know, I, I serve a pretty conservative demographic, but you know, as a whole, people want funeral services that are more personalized than they were in the past. Uh, you know, it's not your cookie cutter, you know, we're not doing the cookie cutter services anymore, but, um, you know, I'm not doing the, um, you know, posing a guy on the motorcycle or, you know, laying, have you seen the one on the internet floating around of the guy in his, uh, Barco lounger with the uh, TV, you know, (laughs) A lot of that stuff We're seems not, to be coming out of Asia, though. I don't, I don't, I don't, or Asia or South America. I don't think I've seen too much of that kind here. of. Yeah, they've had that kind of stuff here. Some of it, yeah, yeah. Puerto Rico. But you're right. A lot of it is coming out of South America. <laughs> what do you do when somebody comes in and says that? Yeah, I, you know, that, I guess you would have to try to try to accommodate their wishes, but you know, I. <laughs> how do you go about yeah, setting something? <laughs> How do you set that up, and what's the pricing for that? Yeah, really, that's that's where I was going with. I didn't know where to go with that. Uh, you know, if we can make it happen, of of course we'll do it. And if it's legal, you know, we'll be happy to accommodate their request. Um, as far as as pricing, um, you, you know, if we had to hire, you know, I, you know, it, <laughs> see exactly, for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, that, that would just be something that would, would be a pass-through expense. But as far as, as what we would charge, you know, any, you know, kind of, um, you know, out-of-the-box funeral, we charge the same as we would for a traditional one. Mm-hmm. Really? Like, there's You don't have, a, like, a, a special rate, like a, a scale or something? It's just a, like no. you have different rates and then that's it? Like, like. When I die, I tell my wife this, and she thinks I'm nuts, but I want everybody to be handed a taser, and the last person that, that's standing gets all my stuff. I believe you would say that, too. <laughs> she laughed. Doubt in my mind you would say funny. that. <laughs> and Lobo, like I said, if it's legal, I, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun, but, but I, do either of you guys watch uh, Game of Thrones? I do, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know the, the, the Viking funeral? Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah, I know well, somebody who had one actually, sort of. But yeah, uh, you wouldn't believe the the requests I I have gotten, and I think some of them were serious after that episode aired. I mean, one guy even contacted me on the funeral home's Facebook page, you know, wanting to prearrange for a Viking funeral. I'm, I said, sir, if I launched um, dead human remains into the Delaware River and shot <laughs> flaming arrows at you, I would be arrested stripped of my professional license and probably, you know, just lambasted in the media. I said, you know, no way, that's not legal. Um, so, 
if it's legal, we will try to accommodate your request. I know of a person who was in the, um, the tabletop gaming community, Dungeons and Dragons and so forth, that had passed away. And that was his. That was one of his final requests. So what they did is uh, they had somebody that they had known who did have like a, uh, a private lake pond sort of. And what they did is uh, they couldn't obviously put the body on there. But when he was cremated, they made a small ship, wooden ship, um, more or less out of cardboard. Um, and they sent it out there, and then they had a person shoot a flaming arrow at it, and it burned up, and you know his ashes went down with the, with the with the boat. Um, I don't know how much of his ashes, but I, I've heard of it being done. I was I thought it was pretty cool. You know, the guy was very much into Dungeons and Dragons and that whole gamer culture. So, so he lived a nerd and died a nerd. Yeah, you know, and it was it was really you know it was actually pretty cool. And when I you know that was I'm like all right yeah you know they they managed to pull it off or whatever. I think they did have to get special permission for it. Uh, and I think it was in Ohio. I can't be a hundred percent positive about it now because it happened some time ago. Um, because we we the place that we right. go to is a place that makes uh, gaming miniatures, and we know the guy. And we brought I I drink mead, and he drinks mead, and we brought him down. And there's a, a mead called um, uh, Viking Blood, and it brought up the story. And he had pictures on the wall of the of the boat in flames and everything. And we're like, wow, that's that's pretty cool. And there's a big story behind it. So yeah, it happens. Um. Which brings me to the next question I had. I was almost I almost forgot about this. There is a rise in alternative funerals where you're seeing people that want to have their ashes cremated and and put into uh, pots that trees can grow out of. Um, all of these different things. I, there's even a company now that uh, they they completely dissolve your body or something like that. I don't what state is it? I don't remember where they're having a part. They just basically dump it into the sewers afterwards. That's called alkaline hydrolysis, That's and it, yes. uh, that. It's legal in some states, and it's it's very few. And I could not name the ones off the top of my head, yeah, but I know Texas is looking at it right now. It hasn't been approved yet, but they've been using this in the um, you know for for um, horses and cows for years. You know, as a way to get rid of uh, their carcasses, mm-hmm. and it's it's an alternative to cremation. Um, essentially, you're left with once you've dried the the um, you know, the, the carbon, um, you know, stuff you can give ash, if you will, you can give back to the family, um, from what I understand about the process. It just basically dissolves the body then, or? The, the soft tissue, um, the, the, this, this, uh, the alkaline and the water, uh, you know, it's, it's in a bath and it's going to dissolve the soft tissue and, at the end, it flushes all the liquid down the drain, and what's left is the the carbon, uh, much similar to what's left after cremation. Um, once the cremation's done, you know most people think, you know, the pretty what we call cremains, what the public calls ash, that's left in the chamber, it's um, it has to be pulverized into that fine ash-like consistency. Yeah, you run uh, it, it through uh, the cremulator, I believe it's called, isn't it? Is that what they call that machine, the cremulator? Uh, the pulverizer? Oh, that's what it's called. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, called the, the cremulator or something like that. The, the actual, the oven unit's called the retort. Um, so so you've got the retort that turns the, the body down into carbon ash, and then we rake out the bones and then have to pulverize them into the cremains. But the alkaline hydrolysis, you know, does it, you know, via different method but essentially you're left with the same thing uh my understanding is you're gonna you typically get a larger volume of cremains after alkaline hydrolysis up to 30 percent more um 
for for whatever reason. I, I don't know why that is, but um, it's it's not you know a, a method of disposition in Delaware yet. So I'm not too familiar with it, other than what I've read, you know, coming out of other states. Do uh, do people ask you for unusual things like that? Have you had anybody ask you, like, I want my husband wanted his ashes put into a container to grow a tree out of, or any of the alternative services, or do you not handle that once you give them the ashes or the remains? It's their responsibility to do whatever with it. We, um, you know, certainly have the resources. You know, we've compiled um, names and phone numbers, websites, you know, contacts of, of all these different companies that offer all this, um, you know, alternate stuff that can be done with, with cremains because, um, you know, I think some people do choose cremation because of the versatility of what you can do with the cremains after, after the fact. Um, in fact, just about an hour ago while I was waiting for you guys to call, I was surfing the internet and I saw a uh, company in England is now offering, you send them some cremains and they will press your cremains into a working vinyl album. Yeah. How yeah, cool we, is that? We covered, yeah. we covered that on one of our earlier shows. Yeah, they've got one. Oh, you did? All, yeah. 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 They make, uh, we've had, uh, we, we covered the records, uh, the pottery, diamonds. diamonds yeah. Well, not diamonds, but gemstones. Uh, there was a, one other one that, uh, there's a culture we somewhere over up. in Asia where they actually take the remains and put them into a tree and they grow and become part of the tree. But I can't remember where that was either. Um, okay. there's our now casket. a company. What was that? Mm -hmm. I said our, our casket manufacturer that also makes our urns, they offer those, you know, it comes in this, you know, ceramic thing. You mix the cremains in with some soil and plant it and it's, it's very nice. Cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Uh, they've got a company now that will actually take your ashes and they'll, they they make like these balls and they'll swirl your ashes into the uh, into the actual crystal ball as they're making it. So you'll have like a red ball, but it'll have your ashes spiral through it. It looks pretty cool. I thought I thought that was pretty neat. I thought about you know telling my wife, hey, do that. I want to have something cool done with See, my I ashes. Don't, I don't want to be turned into a trinket. I wouldn't <laughs> mind. You know. I don't know when I'm. I told the wife to throw my body in a in a hefty bag by the curb. I got slapped for that too. Oh, I want to be but, something cool. I just don't want to be sitting in an urn somewhere or something. You know, I want to make something cool out of me. I guess I could become a tree. I wouldn't mind growing back into a tree. I suppose. Probably get pissed on my dogs all the time, but hey, you take the good with the bad. Um, <laughs> so Lobo, after the taser fight, you don't want the winner to get you in trinket form. No, I want them to have all my useless garbage. You win a decorative Lobo. <laughs> you know how horrible that would be for them? Oh, I my can't, God. I, the people that know me while I'm a living don't want me around. I'm sure they don't want a remembrance of me forever. Well, I, you know, maybe you could get turned into a string of Benoit beads or something. Oh, you know? man. Oh, 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 man. Yeah, now he knows how the show works. Don't you, don't you think I've screwed enough people over as it is? <laughs> Touche. Awesome. Oh, Todd, awesome. that was great. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played, well indeed. played indeed. Yes. Um, 
I want to move on now. You've got a story. Now, both of your books have been pretty straightforward. Uh, they were, you know, humorous tales, different kinds of stories, basic information about, you know, funeral directors, funeral homes and stuff. And then towards the end of the one book, you've got the story where it goes. Now, we, we've, we're known for covering paranormal and strange stuff quite frequently. And there's a story in there about uh, a Ouija board incident. Now, was that you or was that your co-author? Sadly, that that was Ken. Um, you know, I can only recount it as to, you know, having, you know, looked at it through the eyes of the, of the book and working with him on putting the book together, but not firsthand. Uh, but you want me to go through it for as your As best uh, as you listener? can, because I was going to go after that. I, I was going to talk to you about, um, well, go ahead and tell the story first to the best you can. Okay. So um, Ken was... Um, hosted a small dinner party and one of his friends brought a uh a ouija board and um they got to playing with it and the ouija board said um may m-a-y and also something about um a man hater which ken thought at this point his dinner guests were screwing with him because He's gay, and he thought, you know, you guys are, are pranking me at this point. So that's when he said, you know, I've had enough of you guys cheating, and let's do something different. And, you know, that kind of ended the, uh, you know, they went and did, you know, got in the hot tub or something. And, um, you know, several years later, Ken's out working in the front yard of his house, and he's got this old, uh, like, house from the 1930s, and these two women pulled up, and... Um, you know, said something to the effect of, do you know who owns this house? You know, he's digging around in the garden. I guess they thought he was the gardener or something. And he said, well, I do. Why? And they said, well, uh, our grandmother uh, lived here. And, you know, Ken said, well, you know, come on in. Let me show you. You know, I've tried. I've restored the house. You know, let me show you how it looks. So, uh, you know, they're going in. And uh, they go up to the master bedroom and um, the one um, sister says to the other, you know, this is, you know, I can remember Oma in this room and she liked to have the windows open so she could smell the oranges from the citrus groves. And Ken looked at her and goes, did she die in the month of May? And they, the two sisters looked at each other and go, no, that was her name. And Ken goes like, the month and they said no m-a-e her name was mabel but everyone called her may and ken said oh my god and and he started to tell him about this ouija game they had been playing and then he said something else and he goes and i thought my friends were kind of messing with me at the time but he goes um they said she was a man hater and they go oh, oh my god well apparently um, when she got divorced from her second husband back in like the fifties or, you know, something, uh, like a long time ago when people really didn't get divorced, it was the largest payout from a female to a male. And apparently she was very, uh, bitter towards men, uh, after that, you know, it was a second marriage. The guy she thinks had, you know, married her to scam her out of her money you know as a younger guy this that and the other thing and uh after that she uh i guess had a bad attitude towards men so you blame take her? that little little story for for what you will 
so that brings me to my next thing. Since you've covered that and we've reached that ground, you've been doing this for a while. Have you seen any strange, anything strange behind the scenes or anything like that? Have you ever had any weird experiences outside of the norm? You know, let me preface this by by saying, um, you know, I, I was born and I spent my first few years in in a house that was uh, definitely had a spirit presence. So uh, I am a believer. And I think the thing that separates the believers from the non-believers is the experience of it. Um, you, you know, it's something people that have never experienced can't even fathom. Um, but that being said, I've never had any sort of, um, you know, pre- felt any sort of presence or anything at the, the funeral home. And that, that has kind of led me to theorize that, um, you know, the dead will haunt or inhabit, you know, a place that has meaning to them. You know, what does the funeral home have meaning to anyone? You know, they've already died. We've brought their human remains to this place to prepare them, maybe lay them out there. So, you know, it, it doesn't really surprise me that, um, you know, the funeral home isn't haunted because what what special meaning does it have for anyone? So, you know, that being said, my uncle's probably going to haunt the shit out of the funeral home, but <laughs> um, in, until then, you know, there's, you know, I, I haven't experienced anything at, at work, but uh, like I said, you know, when I was a young boy, um, my parents think it was my, um, great grandmother who who in, inhabited the house the townhouse we lived at in the city um you know just you'd hear footsteps in the hallway you know when you were downstairs somebody walking up and down the hallway above you um she liked to play with electricity the lights would go on and off the stereo would come on and off um and not necessarily in a way that you would think oh you know it's an old house the elect you know it's it's faulty electrical wiring um you know all the lights would come on at once as well as the stereo uh, but only in one room so you know it's it's just something that um you know i think people who uh, have experienced a spirit spiritual presence um you know get used to and maybe even get comfortable with um when we set out to do the, the second book, um, our agent said, you know, what would be really cool if you guys could kind of like explore the, um, you know, the superstition and spiritual side of, of what you do. So I work with somebody who's a grief counselor and a funeral celebrant, which is a funeral celebrant's kind of like a minister, but they do humanizes. And um, she had told me, you know, over the years about this haunted bed and breakfast that she used to run. So once I kind of got that direction from, from our agent, um, I sat down and interviewed her about her haunted bed and breakfast. And I mean, what this, the story she told me about the place, you know, just went on and on and each one was more fantastic than the next. And, um, you know, I, I wrote these, you know, long, really great chapters kind of about, um, you know, the, the, the spirit world and uh, looking at that that side, you know, through the lens of somebody that that does what I do, and you know, in the end, uh, our our editor said, you know, that's kind of not really in the scope of what we're looking for. So I really, you know, 
took a hatchet to it and pared it down to what is the last chapter in uh, Over Our Dead Bodies. Sounds like you got a third book there. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you know, uh, never say never. Uh, right now, I don't have enough material for one. But, um, you know, I, I know a, a lot of uh, your guys' show is devoted to, you know, the supernatural. I, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've been trying. Lately, it's been going that way because those are the interviews that have been falling into our lap. We try to branch out all over the place. But I'm glad you brought that up, though, because it's it's one of those things where it's like I've always been curious of somebody who's in the business how they view this stuff, because I would think that you're dealing with it so much, it just becomes a job for you to where, um, you know, you've seen so much and you've done so much that it would be kind of become blase for you. And you would be like, yeah, that, none of that stuff's real. It's all hokey and all that. We don't necessarily take any kind of a stance on it. We let people tell their own stories and, you know, and let it fall where it will. But you being somebody on the inside who, who deals with death directly, you know, that's why I brought it up. I was curious, you know, how do you feel about this kind of thing? Or, as you said, it's something that you have to experience before you become a believer. You, you know, like, a, just going back, I, I haven't, you know, felt any spirit presence in the funeral home. But, um, you know, people tell me these these stories and, and watching, um, you know, a husband might die on a certain day, you know, like an anniversary of you know, his wife. And, you know, I've, I've come to, I'm convinced, you know, we're connected on this whole different spiritual level that we don't even realize. And, you know, people feel compelled to tell me these, these stories of, um, you know, this kind of interconnectedness, you know, it almost kind of reminds me of a web, you know, you you start pulling on these threads and it, it tugs on other things that are all the way across the web. And it's, it's just kind of um, amazing some of the stories people share with me, um, you know, that I, I – most of them are, you know, people share with me in, in confidence. I can't, um, you know, oh, recount yeah, yeah. them to you. Uh, but, you know, I, I am convinced that, um, you know, we're interconnected. And, and I actually – you know, we did a couple chapters on that on in the book um, – and, you know, one of them started out, you know, looking at, you know, historical samples of famous people that have died, you know, on, you know, milestones or events. And then uh, Ken had a had an experience where, um, you know, his mother and his business partner's mother died on the exact same day. And these were women that didn't know each other, really, except maybe they've met two or three times through their son's work. And, you know, they're kind of of different generations. One was a little bit older, you know, 20 years older than the other. And um, it was just kind of this um, real sobering um, and I think religious experience for for Ken, um, you know, just having that experience and sharing that experience with um, his business partner. Going back into the realm of the of the now, <laughs> you always hear these stories of of bodies sitting up and stuff like that because the body still jerks and does things after it moves on. You used to have muscle spasms and stuff like that. Does that kind of stuff happen to you? Have you had stuff like that happen, or are you just used to it going on? So, I uh, I teach uh, I do a guest lecture for um, 
University of Delaware's nursing students, they, they do a 400 level class on death and dying. And I have the class actually come into the funeral home so we can prepare uh, these future nurses for what the families are going to be asking them for, you know, what's going to happen once their loved one dies. Because, uh, you know, in this culture we live in, you know, the medical profession is all about winning. And when somebody's alive, they're winning. And they see somebody dying as, as failure. And, you know, that's not really the case. We're all going to die. So, you know, I'm trying to prepare these nurses for what is going to happen. And these families are going to have questions. But I also want to educate them a little as to what we do behind the scenes. So, you know, there's no misinformation. And if the family asks them directly, they have some honest information. And, you know, you hear about bodies sitting up. That's just simply not true. But do bodies spasm? You know, there's the cadaveric spasms. Those happen. Yes. You know, it's the muscles involuntarily contracting after someone dies. Um, You know, you hear something called the, the death rattle you know, air escaping through the throat after somebody dies, that happens um, pretty frequently. And, you know, if it's your first time hearing it, I kind of remember, you know, being a little spooked by it the first time you hear it, because it's, you can hear it. It's it's definitely an audible thing. Um, and it's not always subtle. But after, just like anything else, you know, you get used to it. And it just becomes part of what you do. And, you know, it's part of the routine. Do you find it humorous on other people who have never been around this before and they see it and they start freaking out and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's supposed to happen? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Suck it up, buttercup. That's, that's right. It, it's always it's always funny to, you know, you know, watch the, the new guy or gal squirm. I mean, come on. That's what that's we call uh, fringe benefits. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's one way to put it, I suppose. Uh you're from Delaware, which is funny because uh, we have a guy. We we know a guy that lives out in your area. He was on our show a few episodes ago, and he is uh, he's a sin eater. If you're familiar with what they are, um, we think he's the only practicing one left in America, or something along those lines. Uh, it was through his family. It's been passed down, and he's picked it up from his uh, grandfather, I believe, that passed away. And I'm in the process of helping him put together something about it. But he'd said that he had been in a couple of funerals where they had had requests for sin eaters come in, and he'd come in and put the little piece of black bread on top of the body, and uh, you know he would put the little thing out, like the little thing of liquid on there, and he has a, a thing that he recites, and then he eats the bread and consumes the beer. Are you familiar with that practice at all? What you broke up when the practice of what sin eating? Have you ever heard of that before? No. No. Oh, we have a friend. <laughs> we have a friend. It's in your area. He was on a show a few episodes ago, and he's. Uh, we think he's the last practicing sin eater, and he inherited through his family, through his grandfather. He had uh, it had been passed down, and he's doing it now, um, where he'll sometimes get a request to show up at a funeral, and they have they, they eat like a piece of they'll put like a piece of black bread on the body, like. Um, I don't know, uh, pumpernickel or something like that. And then maybe a, a brown bread. Yeah, brown bread or a glass of beer or a glass of wine. And then he has a thing that he recites. And the concept of it is is the, the bread and the alcohol are put there to absorb some of the person's sins. So what he does is he then consumes that in the idea is that he's consuming some of their sin to help them move on through the afterlife. 
um, it was a practice that was um, it was practiced in Europe a lot, and some in America, but it seems to have died off. And then somehow or another, he took it up from his great grandfather or grandfather, I believe it was. And he said he's actually done a couple of funerals, and he's done it before. And he said, if anything, yeah, I get some kind of a meal out of it, you know. So I mm. didn't know if you were familiar with that or if you'd ever heard of it before. No, no. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of these. You know, rituals and stuff. And, you know, I'm always fascinated to, to learn new ones. I mean, you know, I'm kind of a, a funeral geek. You know, I love learning about, you know, these these rituals and practices around death, you know, through the ages. Um, was this the uh, was this Gary that you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He had the uh, he did a haunted Fort okay. Delaware. Was it haunted Fort Delaware that we had him on a few episodes yeah. ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was on that episode. Yeah. Yep. And that was, okay. I'm working, I'm, well, we haven't gotten really to work on it lately because of the holidays and stuff, but I'm, I'm going to, we're, we're trying to help him out. He wants to do some kind of a book or something on it, or at least discover the history on it. So I've been trying to find, uh, you know, all this information about it because he just kind of stumbled into it and fell into it. But he's like, yeah, if you know anybody that runs any funerals that anybody has that service requested or whatever, put him in touch with me, you know, and I'll, I'll come out and you know, I'll do it. <laughs> so, you know, um, I just thought I was like, wait a minute, you're from Delaware. Gary's yeah. from Delaware. <laughs> He'd get That's along right. with Allison too. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got we have a bunch of listeners that are going to find this very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So. Because uh, we had Allison on to talk about the uh, morning jewelry and the morning uh, rituals. Yeah, that's uh, what was the morning jewelry where people take like lockets of hair, hair. and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. they make uh, mm-hmm. different things out of uh, different things of people that have passed on as like mementos. And the morning crepe, the black stuff that's poisonous. <laughs> yeah, the clothing, the crepe clothing. We actually misspoke on this one. We did have Allison Thurman on here, but the person that we were actually talking about was Chris Woodyard, and we were discussing Victorian uh, era death rituals with crepe and so forth. And it was on her book, uh, The Victorian Book of the Dead. That episode is currently not in our feed under the new feed, but if people are interested in it, I'll toss it back up there again on one of our weeks off or something so everybody can hear it. If you're interested and you want to hear it, shoot me an email. I'll gladly toss it back up in the feed. Anyways, back to the show is your your funeral home are you guys looking into or moving in the direction of the green burials or is that something that you're just at this station not into we certainly offer green burial if somebody requests it and you know that was the big thing in um you know our our trade journals several years ago, you know, this trend towards green and it just never at least came to our community. I mean, maybe it came to other areas in the country, but there, we just have not seen a great demand for it at all. And maybe part of the reason is there's so few, um, cemeteries right now that are certified by the green burial council. You know, the closest one to us is like two hours away. And You know, a lot of people can't be bothered to drive 15 minutes to visit the cemetery. They sure as hell ain't going to be driving two hours to visit somebody if they're yeah, the visiting true. type. Right, um, right. So, so I just have to wonder if it's, um, you know, because there's not, you know, a green burial certified cemetery close to us or or really what the, um, you know, why we haven't seen more green burials. But, uh, of course, we would offer them, um, you know, to anyone that asked for it. That's interesting. Have you I, seen? I what's have that? you been any in your no. area? No, no. Where I am, it's no. I, I no. 
<laughs> like you said, we have a ton of cemeteries. Like it just it seems like they'll put anybody in the dirt around here. They just don't care. But um No, I have I haven't even been to I haven't even been to one that was considered like reasonably spoken about. I mean, I have friends that have been cremated. I have uh, one of my friends uh was a donor, so there wasn't really a whole lot left uh to put into him into the ground. Uh one of my other buddies was uh he donated his body to science so there was literally like the family got back the the cremated remains of whatever was left over after they you know shredded him for whatever they were doing mm-hmm. but i mean he 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 donated himself to uh to one of the uh laboratories here so i i mean i can i mean i can respect that i mean i've tried like i said i i i think about death and i think about all this stuff a lot and it creeps my wife up. but uh i had spoken to her toying with the idea of actually being donated to science and she's not having any part of that okay. so which <laughs> is fine i mean i'm also a living i'm a donor so when i go they're going to take whatever they can not that i have a whole lot i mean i think pretty sure i wrecked my liver in early youth <laughs> although i've had 21 years of recovery where i'm you know kind of had a chance to kind of bring it, most it does of that. repair so but you know <laughs> my eyes are no good my back's shot i'm pretty sure my heart hates me so i mean <laughs> but i mean in 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 as far as like having green burials here i i mean i know a bunch of people that talk about it because they it's interesting to them but i don't know if they ever go as far as to do it mm-hmm. i wish they would i mean I could see it being beneficial considering the amount of toxins are that are in us. But I mean, well, what was, do you mean by was, green burial? Well, they have they have uh, composting. They have a uh, uh, they take your body. They don't put any chemicals into it at all. They, you have the uh, option here, at least, to be put into a um, it's a cardboard um, casket. It's nothing more than like a cardboard box that they put you in and then put you in the ground. There's no, there's no uh, ceiling vault. There's no, there's no grave. Anything, you just go in the ground. Yeah, and and really, you want like a willow casket, you know, something that's made from, you know, a source that's going to regenerate easily, or you know, a burial shroud. You know, mm-hmm. the the real green people, they don't even want something, you know, as outlandish as cardboard. And <laughs> and you're right. You know, you're going to go into a hole with no burial vault, and um, they typically mark them with GPS, um, so you can go back and find it that way. No monument, nothing. Hmm. I mean, that, I, it was it was good enough for the natives. It was good enough. I mean, before my family came here from the island, I'm pretty sure they just left you out in the woods. You know, you went to the jungle, they dropped you off, and that was it. Or they threw you out to sea. There was you didn't. You weren't buried, really. I mean, when I went back to uh, when I went back to the island to go and visit the cemetery, there were cemeteries there, but they were. I was looking around like this is few and far between. There should be way more cemeteries here. It's a small island, and I know a lot of people have died. So I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it at all. It seems like I mean, I don't want to say it seems like the right thing to do, but. I mean, we're animals. We break down just like every other animal. It's just we have this superstition about us. Well, we've had John here for a little over an hour now. 
this is the part of the show where I give people a, uh, a chance to promote anything they've got coming out. And you had mentioned that you have a new book on the horizon. So uh, tell people about where they can find you, where they can find your books, and what you've got in the works. Well, I've got a new book coming out on February 28th called Grave Matters. And uh, it's a complete departure from uh, the first two in that it's, it's fiction, it's a novel, it's a mystery. Uh, but, you know, people that listen to your show um, might be into it because it's a, um, you know, I tried to make it as much of a procedural as I could, um, you know, educate people as they're reading as to uh, what The Undertaker does. Because, you know, there's that old saying, write what you know. So the protagonist is an undertaker. Um, and so as, as the readers going along, they're learning uh, about the job. And it was kind of freeing in a way because I felt like I could be a little bit more liberal with talking about the job when I was writing in the fictional realm, you know, than when I was trying to be sensitive, uh, you know, writing nonfiction. Uh, So, so, you know, I I think, you know, I took people into the prep room um, a lot more and, um, you know, you'll follow this protagonist around as he does his job. So you can pre-order it on Amazon now. Uh, you can go to my website, toddhera.com, and read the first chapter if you want. You can also pre-order it from my website. And uh, Ken and I are also, we've put aside books for now, and we, we've also uh, developed a show, written a pilot, and um, you know we're working on you know bringing that to fruition and uh if if we ever get any traction on that rogan and lobo you know you know where to uh, find us yeah yeah absolutely please do yeah absolutely find us that definitely oh i know you know go ahead i I got one more thing i gotta ask you about go ahead (laughs) so i was gonna say we you know we've got a couple things in the works but um you know definitely anyone that's interested in the subject matter uh you know buy my new book. And, uh, you know, if you like a good mystery and if you want to learn a little bit more about the profession, which one of you guys was in the hot guys of mortuary calendar? (laughs) (laughs) This was a for real thing, right? This, 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 this was a for real thing that still follows me to this day. Not a week goes by Rogan that somebody doesn't walk through the front door at the funeral home and goes, Hey, you're that guy from that calendar and i'm like yes i am so oh, wow. you were the one that was in the hot guys of mortuary calendar we we both were we both oh, ken's yeah. ken actually started the calendar and that's how we met because i applied for the 2008 calendar and um the the first year he did it 2007 uh he had some issues because he only used 12 guys and one of the guys showed up and he wasn't in the best shape so Ken had to do some scrambling after the fact. So he made the 2008 calendar a contest. So he brought 15 guys out to Los Angeles to shoot the calendar. And the idea was the guys in the best shape, you know, would make the cut for the 12 months. So, um, you know, I'm not saying like I'm in super shape, but uh, I found myself on the cover of the 2008 calendar and Mr. January, and I have not lived it down to this day. How is this not a reality show? <laughs> wow. <laughs> how, how, how Believe did this... it or not, Rogan, the whole, the whole thing was filmed. 
with the uh, Ken was trying to sell it as a reality show, but it just never got off the ground. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. (laughs) Let me give you guys just a little secret. You know how, you know, you have that sheen, you know, the, 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 the glow on stuff like that. It's, it's Pam. They, they would douse us with spray you. They would spray us with Pam (laughs) cooking spray and then take hotel towels and stipple it. It was the grossest thing ever. Yeah. Did they at least use the butter scented? They did. And I cannot use Pam to this day. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. That is the best. Yeah. So if, if you want to see me 25 pounds ago, you can you can uh, Google Met of Mortuary's calendar. Any of your listeners, it'll pop right up. And uh, I'm the dude that's the least fit on the cover. The other guys, <laughs> serious weightlifters. That's I the mean, guy that's least fit. I have a dad bod. <laughs> I mean, this guy, you know, like eating protein bars and like they'd spend every free minute lifting. I'd be like, hey, you know, let's get out of the bar and have a beer or something while we're waiting. Yeah, I'm pretty swole. Uh, I'm just going to spray this Pam on me. Check out my pecs. Wow. <laughs> Those are called moves, Ro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. That's a great story to end on. Um, Todd, thank you very much for coming on here and talking to us. It's been a lot of fun. Um, whatever you guys got going down the road, get in contact with us again. Uh, also tell your, if you're, if your co-author is out there listening to us, if he would like to come on here and, and tell some of his stories, he has an open invite as well. We'd love to hear from him as well. Uh, this has been a hoot. Thank you for coming on her. Hopefully you can get some people to your website and check your books out. I do highly recommend them. They are funny. Um, there was a situation, there was two books I've been reading lately and yours was one of them. And, um, in both instances, I was in the doctor's office reading them. And then I started cracking up and people were just looking at me as I'm laughing hysterically. And the story specifically was the one about the funeral home with the mad, wild, mealy battle Royale going on. And I'm just, um, I was laughing to the point of almost tears and everybody's just staring at me and they look over and here's me, you know, holding the mortuary book. I mean, what have you? So the looks I got were pretty odd. Um, but thank you for coming on here. This has been a lot of fun. It's been great talking to you. Likewise. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Todd. So always look on the bright side of death. Want to get in contact with the show or listen to back episodes? It's easy. Go to www.projectarchivist.com. On the right side of the page, you'll find links to our archives, as well as links on how to get onto our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter. If you want to leave a voicemail for us, it's 734-681-0459. Yes, we do listen to all of them. Or if you want to talk to Lobo directly, you can call 203-212-9975. Yes, that will in fact put you in touch with his cell phone. If he's available, he will take your call and talk to you. If you're just looking to send us an email, you can do that at projectarchivist at gmail.com. Don't forget to look for us on iTunes under the podcast section, or you can stream us right to your phone with the Stitcher Android app for free. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there. But you won't find it here. 
maybe it was the ghost of an alien that worked for the government. You know, you remove the alien anal probe out of the story and it probably wasn't this guy's worst Saturday night. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Listen to Brent and John make sense of it all each week by subscribing. Find us on iTunes by searching Hysteria 51 or anywhere else fine podcasts are sold. So that was Todd, Mortician Todd. He had mentioned that um, his co-host was going to try to make it on the show, but he couldn't do it. So I'm kind of curious to hear what that guy has to say as well, because there's parts of the book. um, He seems very expressive and very talkative for the most part. So I would like to hear what he has to say at some point down the road. And maybe I'll try bugging him to see if he can come on. (laughs) Cool. But uh, yeah, Todd's a lot of fun. I think it was when we first started doing the show, he was a little stiff. And then after he heard you cuss and swear a couple of times, he he relaxed (laughs) a little bit. Having your that's ashes, what I bring to the show. Having your ashes made into a set of uh, Benoit, what do you say, Benoit balls? Anal Benoit beads? balls. Yeah, yeah, Benoit balls was, was pretty interesting and funny. <laughs> so moving on, um, we were Podbean's podcast of the week, or one of the podcasts of the week this week. So we picked up a bunch of new listeners, and hopefully, hopefully at this point, we haven't lost them. Ah, <laughs> uh, they're gone. <laughs> But yeah, welcome. Welcome to the show. If you're new here, you're going to see that uh, our episodes only go back so far. And that's because we were on a different server and we moved over to Podbean and we still have all the old episodes. I have not yet figured out a way to put them up there. Um, but yeah, this is what we do. Um, so anyways, I did want to thank, though, uh, since we moved over to the new feed and we've gotten reset up back on iTunes, we have received 11 five star or is it four or five star what's the highest stars you can get i don't know whatever the five highest star. yeah we've see, received 11 five star reviews from people out there cool. which is more than we had on the old feed and then we had the one person that ripped into us for whatever reason which i don't remember what it was but hey even a one person ripping into us whatever cool i guess um yeah, say whatever you want just make sure it's the truth <laughs> that's all i gotta say man well i think that was like i think the because we were going in the this year in fecal matters directions and stuff for a little while. And, you know, we just we were just tapping low for a little bit there. But, uh, yeah, if anybody's out there and you're on iTunes and you hear us through iTunes, if you could go up and leave us a review, that would be awesome. Uh, your it's easy for people to find us. Most recent episode of The Spark, which is your solo shows, is up on the Patreon page. And I'm going to drop it next week because we don't have anything really going on next week. And since it's recorded and produced and done, I'm going to throw it in the feed. And you and Chuck, Chuck was back on the show, and you guys talk about Oni, um, why did I almost say quinoa? Yokai. <laughs> Yokai. Get your head out of the gutter, man. <laughs> well, no, quinoa is that stuff that you eat. It's like rice or whatever. I don't know. They they go to Whole Foods and you buy it and, you know, people. Yeah, I've eaten quinoa before. It's delicious. People who drive Priuses and stuff. Eat I it. don't drive a Prius. Shut your hole. Hey, I'm about ready to, I'm, I'm trading my Jaguar and I'm going to get a hybrid this year. Dude, you're a dope. I'm going to, I'm going to wait till fall hits and I'm going to trade it and I'm going to get a C-Max. So. All right. You're going to get that. It's a nice ride. What's based off of a Mazda. So, you know. Gee, I wonder why. Yeah. Plus I have family that builds them. So. Well, there's that. <laughs> It's car talk with Rojan and Lobo. But you and guys talk about uh, yokai, oni, Japanese horror. Um, yep. You guys branch all over the place and talk about a lot of different stuff. Um, and it's, it's not like 
one of these shows, though. That's the thing. Well, it is and it isn't. You know, and that's <laughs> you've got this thing where you think that people don't want to hear your solo stuff, and because they don't. And it, like, bull, bullshit, <laughs> bullshit, bullshit. Uh, and I thought it was just fine because you're like, I don't know if I want to do. It. I'm like, no, go ahead and do it without me because I'm still going to be producing it. And my fingers are still involved in it, so I don't care. You know, it's <laughs> it's nice to sit back and just drink some beer and edit what you're doing on the side. And it was it's good. It's a really good show. What's funny is because we're used to having Chuck on here in a humorous kind of way, and with you two, Chuck was kind of the emphasis of it, and he was kind of like he was kind of stiff. For the most part, like he was kind of like, uh, you know, like the emphasis was on him and his knowledge because he's he's uh, he's got Japanese heritage in him, um, as he likes to say, he's Japanese from the waist up. Oh, um, <laughs> so he had to bone up on his and his heritage and stuff because he does go over to Japan all the time. He, he does yeah. go over there every so often. He's got family that lives there and stuff. And he's he spent some time there. He's, he was raised partially there back and forth between the states and so forth. So he actually knew what he was talking about. He does. And I, I think he's used to like chuckle-headed, yeah, version of me. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think that's what it was. But you guys still crack some jokes and stuff. You still had some oh, yeah. fun, you know. He's a good dude. What I what I like though is the fact that every episode of the Spark you've done up to this point, it's either been me in the background with my mic muted helping you produce the show, and this one you just took and ran on your own. And I was like, this is pretty cool, you know. And I I, I was really proud of you, and I thought it turned out really well. I didn't, you know, the editing wasn't that hard to do on it. You guys' content was pretty solid, so I dug it. I thought it was pretty neat, and yeah. it it doesn't bother me. It's like. It's like when you listen to like, oh, here's a bad analogy, bad analogy coming in three, two, one. It's like when you have the Kiss record and you've got Gene Simmons singing a song and then you've got Paul Stanley singing songs. And it's just because Gene Simmons is singing the song doesn't mean that it's not a Kiss song. So no, I guess it, I'm comparing you to Gene Simmons. Still sucks. <laughs> Don't compare me to Gene Simmons, man. I would just like to say that uh, I re recorded a solo episode for Project Archivist. Wow. <laughs> bad Gene Simmons impression. Totally. So, any, <laughs> I, do you hear that? No. I thought I heard something. Never mind. I thought something was bleeding through in the audio. Um. Anyways, uh, so I've sent out our, our yearly uh, request to join the Illuminati. They're going to turn us down again. Uh, yes, I'm sure they will. Well, they're going to turn you down again. They probably will, as is every year when Super Bowl hits because of the massive amount of Super Bowl halftime Illuminati conspiracy theories. Uh, this year I didn't see a whole lot in the Illuminati Lady Gaga Super uh, Super Bowl halftime show. No, there's a reason for that. <laughs> well, usually they pick apart every single detail and try to find Illuminati. You know, this is dude, what they I go. can't say anything this year, dude. Trump's the president. You can't say <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't. We're but living in a freaking no. The, no. the most that I saw was there was a the, the biggest one that I saw because uh, I really didn't see like I was pretty let down by the Illuminati uh, satanic uh, halftime ritual conspiracy theorists this year because they really didn't find a whole lot. The biggest thing that I saw was there was a point where uh, her arm flashed out and she has a tattoo of a trumpet on her arm and I think it was is that that was the the trumpet was the sign of the apocalypse and the trumpet was the herald of the apocalypse. Well, they're always, for God's sakes, they're always stupid. But this was like really going low for the most part. Um, tell me, tell me, Gaga didn't crush it though. Oh yeah, she did pretty well. Oh, my she God, did pretty well. The man. biggest complaint Chill. was that, that little tiny bit of like belly flab or whatever she had. And I'm like, for real? That's what everybody's flipping out about. That that What's was about that. <laughs> I was like, 
okay, whatever, man, if that's the biggest complaint you got. But I did see one guy who made a YouTube video where every conceivable triangle that was present on video, he broke it down scene by scene and highlighted and circled every single triangle that was on it. And of course, that was the Illuminati all-seeing eye triangle. Um, Is his was... name Sonny? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's going way back. <laughs> Only a few people out there are going to get that joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, I did, I've been experimenting with our artwork and trying to get t-shirts back up and running again. Um, Katie, I sent her a t-shirt this week. So she got, she got one of, she got one of yours. Um, one of the ones that Ben did for us, Ben Yannick, he, uh, did a, still got the original of that man. That's a sick drawing. He did this. Well, we've posted on the Facebook page and I've posted it on Twitter a couple of times too, where it's like a brown picture and it's got, uh, it's got all of our, our crazy symbolism. It's got like the magic and science and it's got these it's got nipples. It does have succubus nipples. And that's what I told Katie. I'm like, she's like, I like that art. I'm like, you like the one with the boobs? And she's like, it's got boobs in it. And I'm like, yeah, on the top right and then the bottom left, there's there's outlines of either angels or succubus or what have you. She's like, oh, I didn't see that. And I'm like, well, because I, I know her mom. And I'm like, if I send you this shirt and your mom sees it, is she going to flip out? And she's like, no, probably not or whatever. But I'm like, go figure. The one, of all the shirts and all the artwork we have, you like the one with the boobs in it. But hey, that's cool. You know, <laughs> that's your thing. Once you've sure. seen it, you cannot unsee it. <laughs> Once you point out there's boobs right there and there are boobs right there. So, <laughs> but great. um, I think that's, God, I keep hearing that in the background. You can't hear that. What, what is it? It's what are you just, hearing? I'm hearing music. I'm hearing music. Never mind. It's, the music are you As soon hearing? as I bring it up, it just goes away. It sounds of course like it a, does because it's not real. <laughs> Take your meds, man. <laughs> Um, I think that's everything that I've got to throw out there. And, uh, again, welcome new listeners. Hope you guys stick around. You know, this is, uh, got a lot of stuff coming down the pipe still. I'm looking forward to not doing an interview though. I think we've got one or two. We've definitely got one in the can and we've got a couple of more that are coming down, but I think the interviews are going to start spreading out a little bit because I've got all of these things that I want to cover for Ramblecast purposes. I've got a lot of biblical jackass. I've got a whole lot of biblical jackass folders. Um, yeah, yeah, I've got I've got this folder on my desk. It's show ideas and fo- for a uh, folder for show ideas, and I've got a lot of stuff in here. And we've been making noises to Tyler about having Tyler come on here because of all these new developments with CRISPR. Um, so I can foresee him coming down the pipe here pretty quick too. Cool. Um, and that's just the way things are rolling. But anyways, I think that's it. I don't got too much more to say. Next week is going to be all you, all your show. And then you said you've got another one in the works already. So um, somewhere along the lines of what we covered tonight, I guess. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Maybe? I don't know now. I don't know now. We'll see what happens. I know the person that I'm talking to who is well-versed in all things death, kind of like me. So uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, But I think that's it. So this is Rojan. Peace out from the D. This is Lobo from Connecticut with one more cryptic message. This is a sign out to Dorcas Girl. Why, why do you, why, why is it that all of the weird listeners that you know have strange, like, code names or something Dude, like that? My, really? Really? Dude, all Dude, of my you... own family doesn't even call me by my birth name, and you're asking me why I have strange name friends? I'd be like, 
hey, this is this one's for you, Tom, or this one's for you, Jake, and you're like, this is a call out to Dracus Monoclomala or something like that. You've Dude, always don't, don't hate because I got cool friends. <laughs> You've got like this secret call outs to like some weird, you know Are these Mason. members of our secret society? I am a Mason. Because we do have a secret society. We've got members all over the world. It's so secret that they don't even know that they're members of the secret know. society. It's so secret they don't even know where it is. <laughs> and if we told them, then they wouldn't. It wouldn't be secret anymore because it's the whole program of having a secret society. <laughs> no, I kind of had Gaga kind of wink at me. You once. know what? I have a number which I think directly connects to the Illuminati or somebody in the Illuminati. And, and if we get rejected, I swear to God, I'm going to call these people up and be like, "What the hell?" <laughs> I don't think they'll take the. I don't think they'll take our call anymore i honestly don't <laughs> i don't know we'll sure see. that they won't take our call we'll see i'm just waiting We've for burned some bridges <laughs> they're gonna be taking any calls alex jones is this you again no <laughs> leave me alone damn it <laughs> all right folks peace out peace there ain't no grave can hold my body down there ain't no grave can hold my body down When I hear the trumpet sound I'm gonna rise right out of the ground Ain't no grave can hold my body down Well, look way down the river And what do you think I see? I see a band of angels And they're coming after me Ain't no grave can hold my body down There ain't no grave Can hold my body down Well look down yonder Gabriel Put your feet on the land and see But Gabriel don't you Blow your trumpet Till you hear from me There ain't no grave Can hold my body down Ain't no grave can hold my body down Jesus, meet me, meet me in the middle of the air. And if these wings don't fail me, I will meet you anywhere. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. Well, meet me, mother and father, meet me down the river road. And mama, you know that I'll be there when I check in, my lord. Ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. There ain't no grave can hold my body down.